Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name is Simon Craft, and who is with me today? What's that coming over the hill? It's Ben Aspinall. Back for the second week, Tom Reed. Yep, so we have kept uh, Tom locked in a cupboard under the stairs uh, for the last week until he repents for his sins and makes York City his first team, sees the error of his ways, but unfortunately... Um, he still seems to be uh, identifying as a Chester fan, so we'll see if that's still the same by the end of the episode. Uh, but yes, he's very generously agreed to, to come on to discuss the replay from last night. Uh, but we're going to start by looking back to Filed Away. Ben, I know you were at this game. It may be Filed Away in your memory. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was there on Saturday um, having a really good time, if I may say so with some friends and I enjoying some first-class hostleries in um, nearby Preston before getting some taxis across to uh, Kirkham and Wesson to take in uh, a thoroughly good performance. So the changes for City were GSK. Uh, he was back in goal for Stockdale after missing the cup game. Uh, Scott Burgess was back in for Quevin Castro, not a big surprise, and the man himself, Dipo Akinyemi, fit enough to start, so he came back in for Lionel John Lewis. I was intrigued to see how um, Dippo would do replacing Lenny in that uh, th- uh, front one role with the two attacking midfielders behind him. Um, in this instance, it was obviously Burgess and Kennedy. Uh, everyone loves Dippo, but um, bizarre- bizarrely, I don't think his hold-up play and his link-up play is as good as his other elements. You know, I think he's a fine striker, I don't think I'll trade him for any other striker in his division, in all seriousness. But um, to see him kind of playing in that role by himself, but with support coming from midfield, I wouldn't say I was worried. I was more intrigued to see how it would go, because that sort of tactic suits uh, Lenny that little bit more. So I was intrigued to see how it would go. Yeah, um, and it was just five minutes in, we actually managed to take the lead. Now, I know the last City game you'd been at, Ben, you actually ended up missing... Yeah, York's equaliser against Halifax. So I bet you were glad to be, to be there in the ground to see uh, to see this one fly in. Yep, uh, a beautiful pass um, from Woodyard out to the wing. A lovely first time volleyed cross into the box by Fylerfield, and a smart little finish by Scott Burgess. Really, really good to see for those supporters that are in the stadium. Not so good for me, see uh, who was sat in the front of a taxi, uh, still trying to wing my way from Preston. To the ground. Unfortunately, yes, I missed kickoff, and unfortunately, yes, I did miss the first goal live. Don't worry, got the text alerts, and I got the um, the notifications from Twitter. So a little bit annoyed about that, but um, it happens. I have seen it back since, obviously, numerous times as well. My word, what a goal! It is, it is a very nice goal, isn't it? So um, mm. yeah, I guess let, let's talk about it. So it does, I guess, start with that Woodyard chip out to Fallowfield on the right. Really nicely timed uh, chip I thought that one is and then Fallowfield is it first time sort of a, a cross volley over to Burgess who again hits it on the volley I think the keeper does get a touch on it I sort of think this this reminded me of do you ever used to play heads and volleys when you were a kid it was a bit of a heads and volleys <laughs> uh, goal you assume like. I had friends <laughs> well you can play it by yourself you know oh, just, true. just bounce it off the wall but no you you know that kind of thing where it's not allowed to touch the ground um, it was that kind of goal but a lot of yeah, first touches and yeah, lovely bit of play and great to see Burgess sort of getting into those positions. I think what was quite in, I think what was quite interesting was the technique on Fallowfield's first time volley pass. Um, I, I don't know, I didn't know players could do that sort of um, skill at this level of the game. I think it's absolutely delicious watching it. People were purring about it when I finally did manage to take my spot behind the um, the goal in the away end. So I was absolutely gagging to see this goal and it was well worth the wait. Every element of it was sensational right up to Burgess's finish. Um, he does very well I think. He does well to twist and turn the defender who's supposed to be marking him gives a decent effort away and uh, as I said a keeper nearly, uh, gets a bit of a hand to it but it's a good finish as well. Even even Woodyard's pass out to the wing is uh, very very decent. A good sprayed out pass there. Yep, I love every element of this goal. Yeah, now I wasn't at the game. I was at a fifth birthday party at a uh, local petting farm instead but watching the highlights back it seems like we were sort of playing quite a counter-attacking style um you know there was a couple of times where 
you could see Sykes came where they get it and quickly looked to release it. And then we were, you know, trying to get bodies forward on the break. There was one where Kai Kennedy had quite a decent run, but sort of couldn't quite get his cross right. Yeah, um, you're right about um, Sykes Kenworthy's uh, role in that. It's his quick distribution that gets Kennedy away. People talk about Kennedy's um, positive performance in the first um, fixture against Chester in the away match. And obviously, as we know, I, I didn't attend that fixture. So it was hard for me to, uh, you know, to fully reinforce that. But people were saying in the aftermath that it was one of his better games. Well, I think it's fair to say that he's, he carried that forward, certainly into the first half against Saturday. You started to see a little bit more of what um, people were talking about when it came to uh, to Kai Kennedy when he was in Scotland, when he was at Rangers and when he was at Anverness. Some good running, some good confident running. There's a foul on him, which he tries to ride. He does ride, in fact. He dodges the, the slide tackle. And unfortunately, he can't quite find his man, man in the centre of the penalty area. But he's playing a little bit more confidently, um, which is fantastic. I think he's got that tenacity as like, you know, a fiery... Um, you know, a bit of a short temper uh, attacking midfielder. And we got to see a glimpse of that uh, against Fylde. And yes, again, credit to uh, Sykes Kenworthy for noticing that the quick distribution was on. Um, that first half with Sykes Kenworthy in front of us, you really got to see him up close and, per- you know, up cl- close and personal, what this game's all about. And um, you didn't really get to see him make so many saves per se, but you certainly got to see him um, make good decisions, uh, which includes, like, you know, coming for the ball, and uh, some quick passes out. So great to see all around. Yeah, and then next key event was 27 minutes when we went 2-0 up. Um, and it, again, it was sort of a counter-attacking goal where we won it back through Dippo, who sort of out-muscled their player. Not sure whether there was a suspicion that it might have got given as a foul, but um, he then played it through to Ollie Green, who brings it forward, passes it back to Dippo, takes it into the area, and then cuts it back across for Ryan Fallowfield again, joining the attack um, to, yeah, tap it in at the far post. Another excellent, well-worked team goal. And this, I was there definitely to see, Simon. What I love about this goal was um, it showed the uh, quality that Akinyemi brings to the first team. Um, I'm the same as you. I thought, uh, looking back, it might be a foul in the middle, but you know, I'm not going to cry any tears for Fylde. Uh, Dippo does really, really well to... Um, create that space on the left-hand side of Files penalty area. Um, the defender probably should do be a, bit, be a bit better, maybe get a bit tighter to Dippo. But, you know, again, no tears from me. Lovely ball into the middle and Fallowfield appears right on cue to side foot into the, uh, into the corner. So, yeah, an assist and a goal for our Ryan. Before I forget, I just want to say there was discussion behind, a, as I say, behind the goal where I was um, as the game went on. I think we can all say, even now in uh, the, the middle of November, that Dipper Akinemi is very likely to be sweeping up um, the Hawks City Players of the Season awards, and uh, that would come as no surprise to any of us, even at this point. But I don't think um, Ryan Fallowfield's contribution for the whole course of the season should be ignored. He's been um, quietly getting better and better as the season's gone on, and his contributions are uh, very noticeable. He's got a trip to move a few assists and a few goals, from right back or the right wing back position, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've been really, really impressed with him and none more so than uh, his performance on Saturday. Absolutely fantastic for 90 minutes. There was a bit of a penalty shout for Fylde when Woodyard was tussling with Barrett, I think it is, mm. who, who goes down. Um, do you think there was anything in that? I guess that would have been happening right in front of you. Yeah, that was right in front of us. Um, you wouldn't think much of it on the highlights, but looking at remembering what I saw at the time... I think uh, Woody was a bit of a, a lucky boy on that occasion. Um, I've seen them given for and against, you know, teams I'm supporting in a match. It's very, very risky to put your hand on there on on a player's shoulder and and, and pull back in the way that Woodyard did. It's, it's not rough, you know, and it, and it's not a professional foul or anything uh, crazy like that. But I think there's something in that, and uh, we had a bit of luck there. Woodyard had a bit of luck there, and uh, yeah, we move on. But I, I. Did did wonder, and a few of us around uh, around me in the in the away end did think that did look a little bit close to the bone. Hmm. And then Woodyard was involved again towards the end of the half when we had a really good chance to make it three 0 Um, again, Fallowfield's involved is sort of putting some good pressure on to win the ball back. Does a little one two with Burgess, so those two linking up again on the right, which is 
happened quite a bit over recent weeks. And they pull it back to Alex Woodyard, who's basically free about 12 yards out, but it's one of those where you'd probably want it to fall to a different uh, member of the team. And he, you know, he, he just puts it too high. It's not what we brought Woodyard into York City Football Club to do, was it? To uh, score goals. I think he's probably, is he not in a career wise, still in single figures? If not, lower double? <laughs> it's 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 not what his role is in a team. Uh, he gets in a good position and the build up play is really, really good to see. But yeah, if it had fallen to someone like a like an Akinyemi or maybe even a Kennedy, perhaps, um, who can strike a ball quite cleanly. That might have been 3-0 and all she wrote, but, you know, unfortunately it fell to Woody on this occasion. Yeah, just to confirm, 10 career goals for Alex Woodyard in 480 appearances. So, Oof. yeah, it's not his uh, it's not his calling card, is it? Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, he has, he has different strengths. Like his hair. Oh, yeah. Interestingly, really good shout from behind the away end uh, in the first half on, on uh, Saturday was that... Uh, Sykes Kenworthy, for all his ability, does look like an Australian barman from the 1970s, which did get a little bit of chortle out of me, bless him. I mean, you know, I'm a ginger guy with a quiff, so I'm on very, very thin ice. And, uh, you know, my the glass house that I stood in is has been smashed up. But, you know, it's just a joke. Right, but yeah, it's 2-0 at halftime. I'm really interested to see what uh, to hear what you make of uh, York City's kickoff routine. Well, I thought it was great because it was basically give it to Dippo. <laughs> And just let him run past everyone to try and try and score a goal. I, yeah, I, I much prefer that to the sort of knock it out to the flank and try and gain a bit of um, <laughs> territory. No, I'm I'm all in favour of it. And it, it's, yeah, nearly nearly paid it's off. It's great, wasn't it? It's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, going back to Sykes Kenworthy, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was his um, his double header, in, <laughs> where yeah, foul beat our offside trap, but there. About 40 yards out of his goal. I might be exaggerating slightly, but he's a fair way out. Comes uh, GSK himself rushing out. It's it's great, isn't it? Both of them are equally really decent headers. Yeah, so he does the the first header to, to get there before the attacker. And then it obviously falls to their player around the halfway line who's clearly thinking, oh, you know, this is my chance to uh, <laughs> to get that goal from the halfway line to get on the... Uh, Puskas Award nomination or something. You can see him shaping up to, to shoot, but yeah, doesn't yeah. really get enough on it. So it's straight to where Sykes came where he is. Obviously still outside his area. So he's like, oh, headed it once. I'll just do that again. <laughs> it's so, so good, isn't it? It, it's, it's, it instills so much confidence in, in the defence as a whole, knowing that they can be another like, 10, 20 yards up the, up the field at any given moment. And they've got the confidence now that the goalkeeper behind them is more than happy to um, to come out, use his feet, use his head. It's about time we had an all-round goalkeeper like that. Um, yeah, really, really happy with it. So, yeah, I can see it costing us one or two goals at some point, but on balance, it's probably that's probably worth it. I think that you're exactly right, exactly right there, Simon, and we need to brace ourselves for when it does go wrong, it's going to go wrong spectacularly, but hopefully it's something we can laugh about at the end of the year end of the season yeah. you're right it'll, it'll, it will concede uh, us a very very small handful of goals but what you make back in return should hopefully make it all worthwhile yeah but when he does concede that goal you know we'll mull it over on the podcast won't we so oh my word <laughs> let's hope he doesn't go walk about huh it's an Australian line of I, I, I know he's not an Australian I'm just referring back oh, to the right. joke I made earlier yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. keep that in yeah. <laughs> Yeah, from the highlights, it seemed like Fylde was sort of on top in terms of possession and chances, but they, they didn't have many clear chances. It was mostly sort of efforts from distance. That that would be right. That would be absolutely right. So I think the other thing was, it's hard to gauge the exact manner of how good our performance was because we would tunnel up relatively quickly. And it was quite clear early on this is going to be a you know not, not a hang-on job but we've we've got what we want now so you can come at us and let's see what you're made of i can only think of the one chance i'm sure you're going to come to later with uh sykes came where they're making like a far post save yeah i think that was quite that was quite late on wasn't it it was Ustabazi, i think with the header um, right and yeah, yeah. sykes came with a decent save at his near post that was probably the only real clear-cut chance at the ground we couldn't quite work out if it was a save or if he hit the post uh, you know um and went out but um, yeah, of all the uh, plaudits that we've been given, um, GSK, I think that's the first time we've properly seen him use his hands. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, in a, in a um, save context. Yeah, exactly. His hands aren't made of crisp packets. At least we know that as much. So the confidence that I have in him is just increasing because he seems to have, you know, a lot of things covered for the modern sweeper keeper. Yeah, and we did see it out to 2-0. Um, and yeah, when I wasn't feeding goats, I was, you know, checking checking the scores. I wasn't expecting us to hold on to the clean sheet. I was thinking, you know, at some point they're going to get one back and then it'll get a bit nervy. So, yeah, to uh, to continue this little run of more solid defensive performances was was really good to see. But yeah, let's let's take a look at the tweets that we had about the filed game. Um so we had one from J286. Feels like the first game we've controlled all season. Aside from five to ten minutes in the second half, we looked comfortable. Glaxo in goal looked absolutely brilliant and could transform us at the back. Brilliant day out. Yeah, we'd mentioned on a recent podcast or you had that couldn't think of a game we'd convincingly won or dominated. Mm-hmm. And would you think this was that performance? I, I think we were. Con- I think we were convincing, and at points quite pleasing on the eye. But once we t- got to two nil, um, we kind of decided to play a little bit uglier, just because the job was done, as it were. I wouldn't say we're not yet at that dominating stage, uh, but. I'm okay with that, getting a 2-0 away win at a team around us in the table. So convincing, but not dominating just yet. And yeah, a couple of other tweets. One from Cheap Man's Vest saying, Loving George's swagger in goal, especially when he went full Manuel Neuer. Wingbacks <laughs> not waiting for the ball this week and making runs to get in behind. How and Cordner huge, Kennedy's best game and Woodyard immense. Not a single weak performance, in my opinion, and a clean sheet. Massive. And just to add very quickly as well, sorry, Sammy, before I get one, forget once more, um, I have been um, somewhat critical of Woodyard thus far this season. Um, I think one or two um, comments recently about some poor performances. Very, very solid in his contribution to Saturday's uh, win over Fylde. I thought he was everywhere in that midfield. Um, not only was he tackling, he was also creating from deep, very much a deep-lying playmaker as well. Um, as exemplified, um, best by his cross out to Fallowfield for the first goal. Probably um, his best game. And to add to what that previous t- uh, tweet said, definitely Kennedy's as well. Right. Are you saying that we have actually signed the Gravesend Xabi Alonso? <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that right now. Um, all, all we need is him for, you know, to start scoring one or two worldies. And um, yeah, definitely he could be the, the Gravesend uh, Xabi Alonso. Uh, Mark Peacock said, Keeper has made such a difference, calm under pressure and makes quick, good decisions on distribution. Howe and Cordner look more confident with GSK behind them. Fallowfield is having a great spell of form, bombing up and down the flank. Good times. Let's keep the momentum going. And yeah, we we were looking to keep the momentum going on Tuesday night in the FA Cup first round replay at home against Chester. So Tom, I guess this is where you come in. Thanks again for uh, for listening to us dissect uh, a game not involving Chester. Oh, I'm I'm always happy to hear about final losing. We've got a bit of history with them ourselves. So, All right, yeah, that was a, a, a <laughs> you'd be listen. you'd be the only ones. Bloody hell! I understand Chester had a eventful game on Saturday as well. Is that right? Yeah, um, I mean Darlington uh, having a hell of a season uh, for all the wrong <laughs> reasons, um, but we've. Up until last season, we did have a bit of a curse in the northeast, which we thought we broke last year, uh, winning three games up there. Um, but yeah, going there and being three 0 down at half time is a, a throwback to the Chester of old uh, in our, with our northeast expo- exploits. Um, coming back to three two um, gave us hope until we went down to ten men, uh, losing goal scorer Tom Pierce, who hasn't featured in the York games since he's been cup tied. Um, and seeing that York had won this weekend whilst we'd crumbled to a team that we really should have been beating did not set up things well um, for the replay this week. Um, We've been on a good run of form recently. We'd won six on the bounce until that point. Um, but as we know, uh, especially for a non-league side, one, one, one defeat can crumble the season. And wasn't there something about the coach breaking down as well, the team coach? Yes, yes. Uh, quite literally, the wheels came off on Saturday. Um, the team coach blew a tyre and the fans bus had to 
do a U-turn on the motorway um, or in a service station, I would hope, um, and go back and collect them um, to bring them to the game. I'm not sure um, riding to the stadium with a bunch of drunk Chester fans is the best preparation uh, for a league match, but entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, not the ideal build-up, I guess, for the for the trip across to York. But yeah, let's let's take a look at that one. Now, having given you abuse, Ben, for uh, for missing goals recently, I, this is when I now have to confess that I missed the first goal in this. Well, game. well, well. How the turntables? Well, before you come in, I, I will have you know this because I had two sick children that I was. Uh, you know, having to look after. So, if anything, I should be rewarded for getting to the game at all. On behalf of Chester fans, thanks for making the effort and the 45% of the gate money we'll get from you. Well, yeah, it's uh, it was me and my dad as well. My dad made one of his, uh, my dad made one of his rare pilgrimages to the LNER. Between you, that's almost a whole ticket of income for Chester. Well, he's he was only paying nine pounds for the uh, for the 60 plus category. So, but you know. Every penny counts. Well, you say, Tom, Tom you do mention, you, you gently rib Simon there for uh, for uh, showing up for 45% of a game. But that's only 5% less than the Chester players did, from what I've heard. I mean, I think the first half, mostly right in that capacity. It's We, we took the bold decision to play without a striker, um, and it did pay off. Um but having said that, I think that the early goal it changes the game immediately. We were we can't give away a, a goal from a set piece, specifically from a corner, in the first five minutes. No matter how good that set piece is, the defense has to be more turned on that early in the game. Mm-hmm. Dippo, not sorry, it wasn't Dippo, it was Shop, wasn't it? Shop controlled it fantastically, and it was a great finish. But he had all the time in the world. He had a, he had a man. Marking him tightly, and nobody put the tackle in. Nobody came to help out and close him down. It, it, from a Chester fan's perspective, it felt like a cheap goal to give away that early in the game. And the way we responded for the 10, 15 minutes after that, York really should have kicked on and got a second one. We managed to restrict them to mostly chances from outside of the box, um, blocks being deflected for, for, for corners. Uh, but we, we were holding on a little bit at that point. Further into the first half, we, we we did start to get into the game a little bit. Again, not really playing with a striker, didn't give us much of an outlet. We did have uh, a breakaway where George Glendon and Adam Thomas managed to link up and Thomas couldn't quite beat Stockdale at the near post. Um, but York, very much like last week, found that Chester's defence was, wasn't one that they could easily break down and chances for, for both teams at that point were, were fairly limited um, probably the most notable aspect of the first half was the collapse of York's left hand side uh, with Matty Fairweather seemingly crumbling under the pressure of the stick that he was getting from Chester fans uh, who'd been put in the western stand at the LNER rather than behind the goal where we would have expected to be and have been previously. But yeah let's I guess go back to that early goal which did kind of set the theme for that first half because yeah five minutes in Scott Burgess takes a corner, finds Lionel John Lewis at the near post, who controls it and just fires home from very close range. Like you say, it looks like a bit of a sloppy one. I don't know if you've... A sloppy one to give away, I should say. I don't know if you've heard Neil Adley's comments after the game, but he basically said they'd identified that from the first game, that they weren't getting tight to the man on the near post and worked on this in training and obviously tried it the first opportunity and it came off. And it sounded from listening to Radio York on the way to the ground. It sounded like <laughs> we we were um, having quite a lot of early pressure. You know, Dave Ward was uh, was being very, very positive about our early play. And it sounded like, yeah, we could have had a couple more goals potentially. Yeah, in terms of Latty Fairweather, so by the time I got there, he, his every touch was being ironically cheered by the Chester fans. But I didn't see exactly what sort of led to that point. So, yeah, he had a couple of dodgy touches quite early on in the game um, and being on the wing uh, in front of the Chester away end, obviously he became a, a target for stick, um, particularly when it appeared that even his own teammates were trying to avoid passing to him. Um, and 
that became that became one of the chants of your teammates won't pass to you, uh, and that's why you're thirty six. Um, he clearly wanted to kind of kick on and kind of when he did get the ball, made attempts to cut inside and run, but generally kind of ran out of ideas and would quickly kind of turn around and pass it backwards, uh, which accounted for most of his completed passes. Uh, he was clearly struggling to keep up with the pace of the game. And it, it was a shame that he, he, from a York perspective, that it, that, that that kind of created kind of a lopsided um, balance on the attack. For over on the right-hand side, you looked a lot stronger. It's where most of the attacking impetus came from. Um, you mentioned York's kickoff routine earlier. We saw that from the first ball um, oh, excellent. last night as well. Uh, it actually reminded me of an NFL running back routine. Um, yes, three players charge forward, but again, that ended up being knocked out to the right. And from the first ball, it was obvious that the right-hand side was going to cause us more problems than fair weather on the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we should mentioned a couple of changes to the team because Latifair, when they came in for his first start in a while, we'd had Paddy McLaughlin at left wing back, not his natural position, but Paddy moved in to midfield for this game and Latifair, when came in at left wing back, um, Ollie Green docked to the bench, Stockdale back in obviously because Sykes came with his cup tied um, and the only other change was sort of a formation change I guess because we went two up front, we went to 3-5-2 and put John Lewis up front alongside Dippo, uh, and Kai Kennedy dropped out uh, sort of to make way. So, yeah, a bit of a different system, I guess, trying to play the two up top. And we've maybe been a little bit more direct than we have been at times, um, going straight to them, which seemed to seemed to be working first half. But second half was a little bit different. So Chester made a sub at half time. Um, Charlie Caton, I think it is, who came on. So is he more of an out-and-out forward? I, I'd describe him as an attacking midfielder, um, but he's quick. He's probably our fastest player um, with the ball. Um, he plays the number nine role, but quite often it, he'll sit behind the, the attacking um, lineup as well. Um, he, I would argue that he's probably the best player we've got this season. Um, it was a shame that he didn't start the game. Callum McIntyre uh, explained quite clearly that he felt it was more important to have Caton on at the end of the game than it would be at the start of the game, particularly if it would have ended up going into extra time. He, he's the kind of player in that situation who could have made the difference. But to risk him over 90 to 120 minutes, there was a greater risk that he wouldn't be available for the end of the game and therefore took the decision to not play him in the first half. Um, but yeah, the difference as soon as he came on was was quite obvious. Uh, we were running the ball more. We had that outlet to attack York, which we weren't showing in the first half, uh, and the chances started to appear. Yeah, it, I think Chester were generally much more in the game this half, and they probably should have equalised on 58 minutes. There was a kind of comedy goal-mouth scramble, really, and I'm not quite sure how it didn't end up in the back of the net. It looked like someone missed from very close range. Yeah, for, so it was uh, ex-York, Elliot Whitehouse and, and Coates uh, involved in the scramble. Uh, from where I was, it looked like it actually hit a Chester player on its way to goal um, before being deflected away. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, w- w- at time of recording, the full highlights haven't been released, so we are going on memory here. Simon, the highlights have literally just gone online. Have they? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm watching them now in the other window. Should we... There's only there's three minutes of them if you want to stop and watch them. But um... all right, let, let's have a tactical pause while we watch these highlights. Yeah, to bring you up to speed, we have just sat and watched the uh, two and a half minutes of FA Cup account highlights of the game uh don't think we missed anything too much from the first half that that we didn't already cover uh yeah it did give us a clearer view of that goalmouth scramble and i think it was just a, a chester player sort of on the ground poking out a leg to put it wide you can sort of understand how it happened a bit more now because he, he wasn't really fully in control of the ball um but yeah the next main thing that happened after that is uh is the the second city goal now this is going to be uh Fun for some of us to talk about, maybe not for others, but um, 
it's uh, it's an absolute howler by the by the Chester keeper, isn't it? I mean, to start off with, it's it's a poor defensive clearance. That's a really difficult ball for him to deal with. I think it's worth saying. It's just kind of hoofed up in the air, bouncing towards the area. Now I was directly in line because I was in the east stand this time. I was directly in line with where the keeper was, and I could sort of see it was about to happen. That okay, there's a lot of spin on this ball. He's not actually come to claim it. I think that might bounce over him, but obviously you sort of think, well, that's not actually going to happen, is it? Because, you know, that doesn't happen in uh, in professional football. But, yeah, that is what happened. Um, John Lewis is gambling. He's running past him. Doesn't sort of get enough on his initial touch. So I was, I was thinking, you know, is this going to be a, a double comedy where he ends up not scoring? And the keeper does his best to sort of wrestle him back. But, yeah, he does, does get it into the net. I like how the keeper, when he jumps, he looks like he's trying to grab the cord that hangs down from your loft uh, entrance to bring it down, but he can't quite reach it. You will need to Photoshop that in. That's the cover art sorted, isn't it? <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on this one uh, from a chest point um, of view, Tom? You, you called it a howler, and that's the exact word that I text to some York supporting friends as, as soon as it went in. Um, Stanway, he's, he's a solid goalkeeper for the level we play at but there has been questions around uh, his jumping and his claiming high balls we saw it a couple of times in this game once in the first half and once in the second half before the goal went in of crosses that went over him that he really should have claimed and York didn't capitalize on them because there was nobody to claim it at the back post um, and this was a, a similar incident albeit it was coming straight at him rather than in from the wing I think Having looked at the replay and having seen some folks, some still photos of the incident since, watching it in the ground, it is when they were t- when Shop and Stanway were scrambling back to towards the goal, and they were both tangling with each other. I was expecting the referee to blow because it was one of those incidents that you see all the time where the referee gives the goalkeeper the benefit of the doubt on any contact. Having looked at it since then, I think Chester are actually very lucky that. Shop did put it in because I think there could have been an, a red card incident for the goalkeeper there because uh, it did look like he had his arms firmly wrapped around uh, John Lewis uh, at one point during that tangle and had John Lewis chose to go to ground rather than tap it in it, it could have been a much worse night for Chester uh, from that incident. Yeah I mean after it went in my dad was sort of saying to me oh are they going to let it stand? To which my response was, well, there's there's no foul by John Lewis. There's, there's not even a hint of a foul. Yeah, but oh, politeness. It's just a horrible miscue by the uh, by the def- the Chester defender there. Just a comedy of errors, unfortunately for for our guests today. But sort of look that you need uh, when you're not playing too well, as it seems York were that night. Yeah, what I would say is was it was kind of against the run of play really that we got that second because I think Chester had at least uh, been sort of equally in it and probably on top at that stage I was starting to wonder you know when are we going to bring a sub on and then when we got that second goal you think okay you know now we can relax a bit that changes the complexion of the game we're still thinking we probably needed to to get some subs on soon because it felt like Chester were starting to pin us back a bit and yeah it sort of carried on in that vein really despite the goal so there was just a couple of minutes later, there was a really good save from David Stockdale um, at his near post from Glendon, I think it was. Not the. It was Declan Weeks. Declan Weeks, sorry. So that is the uh, the club Twitter account getting me in trouble again there by uh, misidentifying players. But yeah, it was not the strongest of shots, but it was very sort of precisely placed towards the corner, and Stockdale had to get down quite quickly. Yeah, so. Declan Weeks, that's almost the inverse of his norm. He is usually the, the hammer it in type, but he, and he, he's, he's got some screamers to his name in a Chester shirt over the past few years. Uh, there's nobody we'd really rather have pick up the ball on the edge of the box than Declan Weeks. And as I think Callum McIntyre said in his post-match press conference, it it was a goalkeeper of massive experience that it took to keep that out. Uh, think, we reckon if it had been a National League North goalkeeper, that that was going in the bottom corner. But yeah, Chester's pressure did pay off on 71 minutes um, when Glendon made it 2-1. Yes, yep. 
Um, we, we spoke about a glaring miss from George Glendon in the first half of the first game, and he, he's made up for it here. But I think the real credit for this goal has to go to uh, Harrison Burke, Birkenbauer, um, who I think took out three defenders with a single pass to set up Glendon, uh, who, despite being a midfielder, it looked like the finish of a season striker. Yeah, it is a very well-placed pass. I mean, from a York perspective, I question um, why he's able to run between Howe and Cordner. And he literally points where he's going to go, runs between them, uh, and no one moves for him until he's through with the ball. So, yeah, he's maybe not been picked up by either of them. Uh, but it is a good ball through, and it is a good finish. Um, and, yeah, it was just... It started to feel towards the end of this game that some of the defensive errors that we'd had early on in the season we're starting to creep back in which was a bit of a worry because we we have looked more solid recently but yeah a well taken goal and i think absolutely deserved based on the the chances that Chester was starting to have um and nearly equalized very soon after that i think it was Caton this time who had a shot uh, which was just saved by Stockdale again and again yeah with 15 minutes to go Adley still not made any changes and it really felt like all the momentum was with Chester. So I was just, I was a bit surprised by that. He's not normally one to wait around to change things up. I mean, potentially extra time looming. Had we got the equaliser, there may have been a factor there. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Caton, and this is exactly why he was held back to the second half. It was a player with fantastic pace against a team that was starting to look tired at that point. Um, and it, were this a chest the podcast I would probably be bemoaning a couple of linesman decisions which I'd call marginal much more strongly than I will here um but yeah there was a couple of uh, very promising breaks that were disappointing from my perspective in that they were called back um when I think at least one of them could have been given yeah I mean it was down the other end from where I was so I couldn't see uh, in in Wenger style couldn't see the incidents um but yeah it did feel like Chester looked like they might score every time they came forward, which was quite often. And yeah, I was getting slightly concerned that an equaliser was going to go in. We did eventually make a change on 78 minutes where we took off Dippo. I'm guessing that was just a a fitness thing. He's come back from injury and also he was on a booking. Uh, but Kennedy came on. But actually, the last sort of 10 minutes or so, there weren't that many clear chances. So it seemed like we'd sort of weathered the storm at that point, probably the best chance really was Burgess's uh, sort of double chance in stoppage time where he gets a shot saved and then, and then hits the rebound over. Um, is there anything I've, I've forgotten to cover that, that happened late on? Um, I think that very much is a fair description of the last 10 minutes. So I think both teams were looking tired at this point. Um, I mean, we were 2-1 down in a cup tie and seemingly happy to pass it around at the back in, in injury time uh, because the players up front were just... The, the, the legs weren't there to carry them and find that space that they've been finding so easily uh, earlier in the second half. Um, I think if we could have just found that one through ball or that one ball over the top, with the right timing, there would have been another counter-attack on there, but it just never seemed to materialise in that final five minutes. So yeah, we did manage to see it out. First win in the FA Cup first round for 13 years, I think. Christ. Which, uh, yeah, I hadn't realised it was that long until people were, were reading that stat. And Chester's still waiting for a, a win over York. Yeah, is it 2000 that dates back to the last Yeah, one? so April April 24th, 2000 uh, was when we last um, beat you. When It was actually the season we got relegated from the Football League. Uh, that was very much a, a, a relegation six-pointer with York uh, battling relegation that season as well. Um, but as it was, we were the ones who went down, having lost the final two games after beating York for our final uh, win of that, that stay in the Football League. Uh, since reforming this Chester FC, I saw a statistic today uh, that said of the 11 matches we've played against York, uh, we've not won any of them. And at no point in over a thousand minutes of football have Chester even been in the lead. Wow. I mean, yeah, obviously our good run over you guys continued, but I thought overall there were two fairly well fought games. You couldn't really tell there was a league between the, the sides. 
what was your sort of thoughts of it on as a Chester fan? I'm sort of surprised that you're not further up the league based on those performances. I mean, the league table is a little bit misleading. We dropped eight places last night without even playing um, from the teams that did play. Um, we've got three or four games in hand over various teams. Potentially, if we win all of our games in hand, we could go second in the league if other results go away as well. Um, so, yeah, we are better than the 16th that we are as of last night, uh, having started last night in eighth place. Um, so we would hope to be in and around the playoffs and anything other than qualifying for the playoffs this season would be a disappointment, especially having got there last year. As it is, it's still early in the season. Um, anything can happen. We traditionally have a collapse after Christmas. Um, so we'll, we'll see uh, if that haunts us again this year. Um, but I think, as you said, we've gone toe-to-toe with a team in a higher division over two games and it's been a a game of very narrow margins in in both circumstances we beat a team um with fact who york about to face hartlepool uh, set up that tie um so uh, were this season to end on a high note for chester we were to go up we've shown that we are capable of competing with the teams in the league above us yeah definitely and seemed like your traveling supporters had a nice time they're in very good voice there was, I think, nearly 800 of them as well, so traveling in yes, decent numbers. 755, so I'm told, um, which I, I was, I would have estimated that we would have brought maybe 500 uh, beforehand. We took 800 on a Saturday to Curzon Ashton, uh, which is an hour from Chester. So to come all the way to York on a Tuesday night with 755 is a fantastic effort. And I think the Chester fans should be very proud, not just of the numbers that they brought, but of the noise that they made even after the final whistle last night. But yeah, it is... York, who go through to the next round. Very excitingly, we will be facing Wigan Athletic. Well, that's not the the exciting bit. I guess it's it's that we're going to be on BBC Two live. First ever time we'll be shown live on BBC. I mean, we were talking about Chester's last win against uh, York in 2000. And the manager for Chester that day is actually Wigan's assistant manager at the moment, Graham Barrow. We'll be out for revenge then. They won't remember. (laughs) Before we move on from that game, let's just uh, look at the tweets we had about it. So one from sometime guest Ben Robinson. Very nervy in the second half, but if we're using a cliche, then it's job done. Thought Ardley made the right decisions and couldn't argue with much that he did or said. And one from Rock and Roll Nobody. Another ugly win, but the result is what matters. Nice to see some players coming back from injury and making the bench. We'll need to be much, much better than that to compete with Wigan though. Uh, and one final one from Tyler Cordner Appreciator, who said, could have been a better performance, but the job is done, and that's all that matters to me in the moment. Now, when he sent that tweet last night, the account name was Mitch Hancock's Appreciator, so um, mm. <laughs> by the time you listen to this, it may well be, you know. Fickle. George <laughs> Sykes came with the Appreciator, but um, yeah. But it won't fit in the tweet, it won't fit in the handle, will it? I don't know, is there a character limit? Possibly. Pro- probably, yeah good time to to change your name away from Mitch Hancock's appreciator given that Mitch Hancock's has now left the building at least for now um so yeah let's let's look at other news in and around the club uh firstly sort of some comings and goings that have happened so uh three players have left the club since our last episode Stott what's Stott's first name Jack Stott Uh yeah so he obviously left an impression um, There's but, your research for you. <laughs> he's gone back on loan to uh, is it Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. He's gone back on loan to Middlesbrough. Played once or twice, I think, didn't he? Looked okay and then got injured and never really came back to do anything. Played against Dorking and he played against, uh, I believe it was the Rochdale game. Just sat next to Batty whilst Woodyard was um, still on the um, physios uh, table. It was much of a muchness in terms of performance. He, probably had something about him but this injury since then was very very um serious by the sounds of it from what the gossip is he was fit for a number of weeks but just couldn't quite work his way back into the side and yeah he's gone back to his parent club so he'll know that the um horns thing the ex city players in the news thread on red and blue for years to come yeah i was gonna say it'll be one of those where it's oh jack stott has joined geisley and he was like i remember that name but i don't know why Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, not much to say about his time at the club. Must remember to thank him. 
Another player ending his loan spell a bit early, um, Aiden or Jody, uh, as you prefer to call him, Marsh, mm-hmm. who I guess will always be remembered for that for that miss at Eastley. Yes. But apparently, yeah, Barnsley needed him back and he was, uh, I think, laying on an assist for, for one of their goals in the FA Cup last night. So I've got a feeling, although he didn't really prove himself too much in his time at the club, I just think he's probably going to go on to have a really good career for himself and and we'll see mm. him banging in the goals in, in the Football League and be like, is that the same guy that, that we had on loan and didn't score? I think I agree with you, Simon. I think he had a little bit about him, as I've said a few times on the pod. Had he got a goal earlier, perhaps? That confidence might have been instilled in him. They might have gone on on a decent run, especially that time when uh, when when Dippo was injured. He could have been a little bit more useful. But uh, yeah, he goes back to uh, South Yorkshire. I wish him the best. A few weeks on from the incident, I can still see the Missa Easley and kind of chortle to myself in that um, deprecating way. So yeah, good luck. Um, but the third player leaving on loan. Uh, is certain Mitch Hancocks, who has rejoined John Askey at Hartlepool. Uh, now, we covered Hancocks when he sort of made his brief reappearance off the bench a few games ago, but it seemed clear that he wasn't very high up Ardley's list of, uh, of preferred midfielders, and Askey obviously knows him, knows the kind of job he can do. I think it just sort of makes sense for everyone, really, doesn't it, this move? It's the most possibly the most obvious transfer of all time, isn't it? Hancock's rejoining um, Sir John on loan. The quote from Hancock's he left saying that he, he had to get away from York. I think it's a very fair assessment of his recent time with our club. Um, it's better for everyone that he tries to get some game time away from York City as Neil Adley tries to instill something a bit different to what he can offer. Uh, thanks for the memories, uh, Mitch. Um, part of that great run in National League North. That purple patch was incredible um, as we just forced our way into the playoffs. My favorite memory of him last season is getting that winner away at Berry when we were playing dreadfully. Managed to steal a 2-1 victory away at the Phoenix Club. So, as in, you know, they're a club that died and came back, not the actual Phoenix Club from Phoenix Knights. That would have been... Is that where they're playing these days? (laughs) That would have been very, very Northwest, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, Mick... Speaking of a fan of a Phoenix club, it's it's the way to go. It's take, <laughs> take back the power. <laughs> but, um, uh, with Mitch, he's I think he's going to do well under Askey. John seems to get the best out of him tactically in the way he sets up his side. So, uh, yeah, good luck, Mitch. Uh, and I'm sure we'll see him again um, playing against York. Not this season, obviously, because of his conditions of his loan, but in the future. Yeah, I can only echo that. I mean, it's, it's been a bit of a difficult few months for him at the club, um, but particularly that promotion season, he was an integral part of that and went on a weirdly unexpected scoring run, given that we thought we'd signed a left-back originally. <laughs> In terms of players coming the other way, um, the club very helpfully announced a new signing <laughs> uh, just a few hours before we recorded. It's normally the other way around, but yeah, we've signed a new forward, Will Davies, um, now, I didn't know much about him beforehand, Ben. I don't know about you, but he seems to have been uh, banging in the goals for Braintree this season. Yeah, uh, not just Braintree this season, but previously at Leyston when um, he scored an incredible number of goals. Um, I think it was 33 in all competitions uh, for the Southern Premier Central Division side uh, before getting that move to Braintree in the summer. So what is quite interesting about his transfer is that he's gone to um, the National League South side this summer and we've seen enough in, what, three months at most, four, to say that we want to go for him. Um, Adley said in his interview that other clubs were looking. So we decided to move quickly. Um, undisclosed fee. So definitely some money's been exchanged hands there to, to uh, sign him. And um, I have to be really honest, um, based on the stats, based on what I've read, and based on the highlight reels that are on YouTube, I'm genuinely really, really excited about this deal. His characteristics are the sort of thing that we should have been looking for when it comes to um, a side with money, wanting to spend money and needing to spend money. He's a striker on the way up. So far, he's scored goals wherever he's been and every move has been progressively higher up the pyramid. So he has come from part-time football, so he will need to uh, acclimatise to the full-time game and hopefully he can do it. So hopefully he's uh, more of a uh, Wolford or a Brody 
as opposed to Dan Maguire. But um, I'm really excited. I really think he can make a, a good impact uh, based on everything that I've read and seen. And uh, roll on Saturday, to be honest with you. Other club news. I guess the the other big news uh, over the past week has been the proposal for the Uglers to increase their share stake in the club from 51% to 75%. There was a presentation to fans. Well, tonight it happened, actually. It was meant to be live-streamed, but unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, uh, we've not been able to see that one. So, Yes, um, unfortunately, they couldn't get the hamsters on the wheels running fast enough to make the wireless routers work inside the um, post boxes at the LNER. But, ah, uh, well. Hopefully, if the Uglers get 75%, they can uh, pay for some fibre optics. Well, you say hamsters. I believe it's actually a human-sized wheel that Ethan Henderson powers. But <laughs> I'd wondered where he'd gone. It's probably not worth us covering that proposal in too much depth until we've seen uh, the ideas they're putting forward and sort of the reasoning behind uh, why they're wanting it to happen. My only thought at this point would be Less important is the actual percentage of shares and more important is the safeguards that the the trust have got in, in place in terms of those contracts. Because we saw with Henderson, he only owned 51% and he could still pretty much do what he wanted when he decided mm-hmm. to go rogue. So is there any meaningful difference between 51 and 75 For the trust, probably not. This allows them to clear some of their debts. Um, maybe it's naive, but I can't see any huge reasons to to oppose this move at the moment. Yeah, I I think we need to see the presentations and read the proposals a little bit more in depth. Um, we don't have the information in front of us just yet, so we'll have to see. Um, hopefully, the Uglers are advocating for the complete closure of York City Football Club so I can do something better with my Saturdays. But if also if they're planning to pump those money and it gets promoted, you know, either way, I'll be happy. Speaking of offers, it would appear that our manager saw a, a nice little offer in the shops, didn't he? He did, yeah. He um Neil Adley's coat, his grey coat. Would you describe it as grey? Pale grey coat? I, I I love it when people ask me, a colourblind man, what colour I think things are. Um it should definitely happen more often. <laughs> yeah, it's become a bit of a, a fashion icon, hasn't it, in the in the past week or so. Uh, I think we, we spotted it uh, maybe the Halifax game was possibly its first outing. Yeah, one for the cameras. <laughs> and he's been uh, he's been wearing it ever since. Comments from the Chester fans at both games. Did it? Were they positive, mm. negative? Or? There's a, there was a bit of a mix. Um, I think the general consensus was that it's useful to have a manager who you can actually pick out on the touchline as opposed to like the usual way of matching tracksuits. When you've got somebody on the far side of the pitch gesticulating wildly, it helps to know how just how in danger of being subbed you are when they're wearing something unique <laughs> that makes them stand out. It's the managerial equivalent of a high-vis jacket in many ways. Yeah, I think it's it says less about Neil Adley's fashion choices and more about just how boring most managers at this level decide to dress. It's just a nice sort of long grey coat, isn't it, really? It's nothing <laughs> revolutionary, but uh, it's captured people's imaginations for whatever reason. And the club decided to run a little contest. You had to guess the material and the supplier, I think. And uh, I think your wife, Ben, was uh, was very nearly the, the winner there. Yeah, not to dox my own partner, but um, she does work um, closely with the fashion industry. Uh, and she was immediately on the case. Um, she was desperate for those two free tickets to uh, watch Hawk City. Lord, Lord alone knows why. But yeah, she did get the brand um, correct straight away. She did know it was Zara. But unfortunately, we weren't able to get that guess in properly because she second-guessed herself and actually guessed with a different brand. Um, in reply to the competition tweet, asking people to submit their um, ideas, what they thought it was. So um, the false papers are in the post, uh, winging their way here, and uh, I'm going to watch the Epsilon game in the exec box by myself. Right, you're going to pay for the for the privilege? No, I'm going to go um, just to the reception area, just shouting the name, brand, <laughs> and cost of Adley's coat, and hopefully they let me in. Is it going to go a bit... Southgate's waistcoat where everybody's showing up at stag parties wearing them. You presume I can afford an £80 jacket. And that's it reduced as well. Now, I haven't seen anyone rocking that particular jacket uh, mm. at the LNER yet. But yeah, maybe there'll be a knockoff Chinese versions 
produced en masse. <laughs> yeah, straight uh, on DHK. Yeah. It's going to be going national on BBC Two soon. It could be a, a national craze. Oh, this mm. is true. Yeah, have to. Uh, yeah, keep an eye on so- how social media is blowing up. I mean, failing that, just getting to eat a pie on the touchline or something. Apparently, that does the job. Oh uh, well, well when you consider who we're playing, it's very apt. Yeah, to be honest, given that we're being televised, I'd be less worried about our manager and more concerned about Wigan's because I think Wigan managers have a history of embarrassing themselves on on videotape, but. Um, we will move swiftly on from that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's look ahead to our next couple of fixtures because we've got another uh, two games coming up this week. We've got a Saturday game and a Tuesday game, both at home. And the first one, probably the more mouthwatering of the two ties, at home against Hartlepool United. So they're 13th in the league at time of recording, four points ahead of us. Only one win in the last eight games. And that that one win was six weeks ago, or will be six weeks ago uh, by Saturday. So not in great form. Uh, they have got a striker already on 12 goals, Emmanuel Dizarouvway. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But all of that is kind of immaterial, really, to why we're looking forward to the game. It's it's the return of the king, isn't it? It's the return of ex York City, Kieran Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's quite a few, there's quite a few players with City links. Obviously, it's it's Sir John Askey is the manager. Uh, not having a brilliant time recently, but several ex City players in their squad as well. The aforementioned Mitch Hancock's, Peter Jameson they've got on loan, David Ferguson, yeah, Kieran Wallace. If anyone remembers uh, him, no. Uh, have you made him up? So Kieran Wallace was on loan. Oh God! For us in twenty one twenty two season. Joined us in November uh, on, until January. Made four appearances. Do you not remember his, his integral contribution? You know what? I've got no recollection of this human being whatsoever. But anyway, he, yeah, there's several, there's several uh, ex city connections there. So um, yeah, are you looking forward to this game, Ben? I want the LNER to turn into a cauldron of hate and toxicity. I want York fans to accost a Hartlepool team coach as it approaches the ground. I want the names of Ferguson and Jameson booed as they're announced pre-match. I want the players to walk out to a wall of noise, greeted by a banner in a south stand that reads very simply, Welcome to the Hell. I want stadium staff to verbally abuse and belittle John Askey as he arrives for reception. I want children to abuse Mitch Hancock as he sits with his new colleagues in the main stand. I want Ardley to storm onto the pitch and plant a red and blue flag into the centre spot pre-match. I want innocuous boots left in on players left and right and centre. Hartlepool fans left incensed with rage as referee ignores Sir John's pleas for better decisions. I want blood. I'm going to put some inspirational, uplifting music behind that and do it as like one of those pre-game poetry montages they do on the before England games. So you're excited for this one, Ben? Uh, and I'm, I, I, I was just—I was joking, yeah. Um, I hope we give a nice reception to uh, Ferguson, Jameson, and Askey for uh, their past contributions to our club. They're nice guys. Yeah, and so are we. I hope we absolutely batter these lot. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll give them a nice little round of applause, and then we will send them on their way with with a nice three 0 victory. That would be the the best way for this to go. <laughs> I, think. I mean, if you need any advice beating the Hartlepool side, we've already got form there this season. Are you still here? <laughs> it's an indeterminate loan spell that I'm on, apparently. <laughs> you can't send me back till the January transfer window opens. Back. Yeah, but we have got a cupboard still. I mean, <laughs> how good were they against Chester? I mean, I know, I know, 2-0 and everything. I mean, not as good as York, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the, the game played out very much in a similar vein to the first game against York, in that we had this solid defence and we caught them on two counter-attacks to actually get some goals. But they didn't look like ever breaking down that defence in the way that even York had done. It's that They were very kind of low tempo, low effort. If York can present a solid back four, frustrate them, that they're all out of ideas, as is my experience of 90 minutes against them this season. And Simon, we play a back five, so job done already. 
Maybe one of those is getting a day off then. <laughs> hmm. Wonder which one it'll be. Maybe Lighty Fairweather. He probably deserves a day off after the after the. Oh, night. maybe Will Smith. Sounds like he needs it. Or maybe Will Smith. He can have an Independence Day. <laughs> Excellent. And then next fixture after that, we're at home against Oxford City. Hmm. Looking forward to this one as well. Another home game. Um, looking forward to playing these guys. Uh, we own one for the uh, twenty ten playoff final. Looking forward to uh, giving them a right good seeing too. So you know this revenge. is against Oxford City. Yep, Oxford City. Going to show them for uh, what they did to us back at Wembley. That was Oxford United. Yeah. They've not changed their name. There's two teams in Oxford. They're called the U's oh. Oxford United. The clues in the in the nickname. This is a different team. They're way ahead of us now. I just thought they were a big fan of the river. <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. I've done it again, haven't I? Oh, right. What what do I know about what do you know about Oxford City then? What who are these jokers? Well, you joked about that twenty ten playoff final. Actually, I don't know if you remember a certain Alfie Potter. Yes, who I scored do. Scored towards the end of that, and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> That's the one. Been under yep. the stairs with me, apparently. K I S S I. Sorry. So yeah, Alfie Potter is going to be uh, yeah. He's going to be getting the Hogwarts Express to to play in this game, but no, he uh, he's playing for Oxford City now, so he has made the uh, the journey. Is, is it, has he crossed the divide? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where the two teams play in 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 relation to each other, but yeah, that that was the only name that jumped out from their uh, Wikipedia squad list. Um, they're twenty second in the league, two points behind us, but they did beat Woking three two in the last league game, so you know they're not complete mugs i think you want to be looking at a minimum four points from these two games yeah i agree um after the success against filed and the you know stumbling past the finish line against chester if we part the chester game for the time being and you know look at the league fixture it was a really really good uh, performance and a really really good result against filed you want to take all the positives from that performance and, and you know take it across the hartley pool you'll hope that um GSK is back in the lineup. That will completely alter the mental um, setup for our defence. We're going to play in a different way. Um, obviously, a very different goalkeeper to Stockdale. Uh, you wonder if um, Will Davis will make an appearance at some point. Possibly one of the two uh, forwards, presuming that we play two forwards, gets tired. And also, you know, Hartley Paul's in different form. Could definitely play into our hands with the Jasky factor in there in the background at all times. Oxford City being that, down there with us as well. Much like filed, you really want to be taking advantage of that. Advantage of that. It's about time we started putting these sides away. Um, did a good uh, job of it last Saturday. Here's hoping in the next um, week we can do more of the same. So we'll be reviewing the Hartlepool and Oxford City games in our next episode. Probably taking a closer look at the share proposal, if that's the kind of thing that gets your juices flowing. Um, talking about shareholdings. And yeah, hopefully reflecting on us moving further up the league. Um, now, Tom, we will let you out of the cupboard. Uh, I think I think you've done your time on the York City podcast. Um, so uh, yeah, thank, thanks again for coming on, and we wish Chester all the best for next season. Uh, we hope if we do play you next season, it's in National League rather than it's. I mean, uh, there's still the FA Trophy. We're, we're playing it on Saturday, but we could see York later in the season again. Oh, that's true. Well. If that happens, you know, we we might make that call again and dust in that cupboard. <laughs> but yeah, th- thanks for coming on and giving the uh, Chester Eye view, particularly of last night where, uh, yeah, emergency meant that I missed the uh, the opening action. No, thank you for having me. And obviously I'll be uh, returning to my occasional spot on the South Stand at the LNER um, for any matches that don't involve Chester for the rest of this season. Yeah, otherwise... Um... Thanks, as always, for listening. This is normally when we plug the uh, the social media accounts, ask us to uh, ask you to give us a rating and review. But I think this week, what I'd like to do is all, if you haven't already, go and take a look at the video of Adriano Moke's own goal for Darlington in their 8-0 defeat at Charlie, because oh, truly it is, uh, it is a thing of wonder. It's an absolutely gorgeous finish, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> he could have done that in the right end. Absolutely fantastic from our former friend, Mr. Moke. And to be honest, if, um, you know, a team that loses 8-0 like that, I mean, you can only wonder the quality of the teams that they've beaten earlier on in the season. 
Ah, oh, well, something to think about. Shots fired. But yes, until next time. Keep the faith. <laughs> <laughs>